Well, good morning, Chapel Roswell. I'm Kristen Hyden, one of the pastors here, and we are glad that you are with us as we continue this series on peace out and what it means to find Sabbath rest in our lives. Now, we kicked off last week, and we went back to the very beginning, to the story of creation, when God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in it. And after six days of creation, on that seventh day, God rested. Not because God needed it, but because God knew that rest was holy. And we talked about this response that God had to creation, that after each day of creation, God looked at what God had created and God said, whoa, that's good. And so I challenged you last week to find those times in your life to look, stop, pause, and see what God is doing in your life and to respond, whoa, that's good. Now, this idea of Sabbath, it didn't end with creation, but continues to weave itself through the story of God and God's people throughout our story. It continues in the book of Exodus, just right after Genesis, as we see God's people wandering in the wilderness. They cry out to God, God, we need food to eat. You've brought us out here, now feed us. And so God provides manna, right? Manna from above for the people to eat. And they go out and they gather it each day. They gather just enough for what they need. But the rules are specific for this. Only gather on six days. On the seventh day, on the Sabbath, there will be nothing to gather. And so on that sixth day, you gather enough for the Sabbath so that you can truly rest on that day. Now, there are people that didn't listen, and so they went out on the Sabbath, and they said, uh, what happened? (laughs) Moses reminds them, it's a Sabbath. We are resting. God is resting. And it continues near as Exodus continues, and this commandment to honor the Sabbath day gets quite literally written into stone. It's one of the Ten Commandments, right? Right there between taking the Lord's name in vain and honoring your father and mother, we get this, actually the longest of the commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So there, right alongside not making any idols, not committing adultery, not killing anyone, we get the commandment to honor the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. And you'll notice that this is the only commandment that isn't one of those thou shalt not or thou shall. 
It is a commandment to remember. To remember. To take time and remember why God rested. To remember how God rested. To remember that you need rest as well. To remember who you are and to remember whose you are. Stop. Don't do anything but be something. Be someone. God then reinforces this later on in Exodus, near the end, in Exodus chapter 31. And we read together that the Israelites should keep the Sabbath. They should observe the Sabbath in every generation as a covenant for all time. It is a sign forever between me and the Israelites that in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day the Lord rested and was refreshed. Now, Wayne Mueller, he has uh, a book on Sabbath, and in it he notes this verse in particular, and he says that the literal Hebrew translation for refreshed is, and God exhaled. Think about that. And God exhaled. All the creating that God had done was an inhale. And then on that last day, God was refreshed and exhaled. Think for a minute about that, that rhythm of inhale and exhale, how it is vital for life. Now, what were to happen if we were constantly go, 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 do, 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 inhale, inhale, inhale? We can't keep going. It's not sustainable. We would quite literally suffocate not being able to breathe without the exhale of rest. Creating, producing, going, inhaling. God interrupts that as God tends to do and says, stop, exhale. Just breathe. That seems so simple, right? Something that we should be able to do. But unfortunately, we've come to a place in our lives where finding rest doesn't just happen. I mean, even breathing sometimes doesn't just happen. We have to tell others to breathe. We have to remind ourselves that we can and should breathe. I know I find myself almost on a daily basis saying these words, just breathe, to my four-year-old daughter as she gets worked up and frustrated 
and she can't seem to get the words out. It's just coming through her body. I have to look at her and say, Ruthie Jean, take a breath. Just breathe. And she can regain her focus. She can regain a little bit of control and begin to speak what it is that has gotten her all worked up. I say it when I'm teaching fitness classes, right? We're in the middle of a really hard set, and all of a sudden I look around the classroom, and I see all these red faces. And I say, everybody, breathe! Because you get so focused, so concentrated on doing what you're doing and making it the best that you can that you forget to breathe. Or at the end of a long day, I finally get the kids in bed. The kitchen is semi-clean. Just a few dishes left in the sink. I can get those tomorrow. But I collapse on the couch and I remind myself, just breathe. We have to tell ourselves We almost have to force ourselves into that reminder, into that rhythm of inhale and exhale. Just breathe. Are you able to find those moments in your life? To take a moment and breathe? Or do you find yourself constantly bombarded with stuff? And a lot of it is good stuff, right? I mean, we've got family, we've got friends, we've got work, we've got church, we've got volunteering, we've got our neighbors. It's all good stuff. But there's always something to do. It's always there. The list, the pile is never decreasing, but always increasing. And so instead of resting when we lay down at night, we have that list going through our heads of everything that we should have done and now that we're going to have to do the next day. So many demands on our lives that we just can't stop and rest. We just can't breathe, right? We've got to constantly be going and doing and inhaling. But God says, God commands us to stop and exhale. And so we're left with a little bit of uncertainty, right? How do I do this? How do I find this rhythm of creating and finding Sabbath, of doing and resting, of inhaling and of exhaling? Well, it was about six years ago in my own life that I began to realize that Finding a place of rest wasn't just going to happen, but that I had to make it happen. And it came about when I was on a trip to the Holy Land. As I was walking 
the streets that Jesus walked. So many things were just amazing and beautiful and wonderful and and stories from the Bible were coming to life before my eyes. But there was one place in particular that was especially life-changing. It began at the Mount of Beatitudes. Here is a picture looking down the mount. Now, this is where tradition holds. They say that a lot over there. Tradition says this is where this happened, so we'll go with it. But where tradition says that Jesus gave his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which included the Beatitudes, those blessed are statements that Jesus gave. And so as we stood here on this mountain looking down, we could imagine the crowds of people that came to hear what Jesus had to say, to be in his presence, to learn from him, and to begin to put their faith in Jesus. Now, as you turned down the mountain and began to walk alongside of it, and you looked out, you began to see the Sea of Galilee. Now, this is where so many of the stories of Jesus took place, right? Where, where he called some of his disciples away from fishing for fish to begin to fish for people. This is where the the crowds gathered to cry out to Jesus. This is where he calmed the storm. This is where he walked on water. This was the heart of a lot of Jesus' ministry and his work in the world. And so you had this this intersection of, of where he was teaching and preaching and where he was serving and leading and calling right, all in this, this one place. But then if you turned and looked back up the mountain, you would see this. Into the, the side of the mount, there was a cave or, or a cutout. And as our group that was traveling together gathered, we gathered inside that place, and we read these words. From Matthew chapter 14. Right then, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowds. When he sent them away, he went up onto a mountain by himself to pray. Evening came, and he was alone. Now, it's powerful to me that right here in the intersection of these two great places of Jesus' work and life and ministry was a place for rest. Now, just before, in, in the beginning of Matthew chapter 14, we learn about the death of John the Baptist. And Jesus learns about his death, and so he needs some time to process And he attempts to go out and find a deserted place to be by himself. But the crowds gather. They come after him and they meet him there and they say, Jesus, please, we need you. And so instead of 
some quiet time alone, Jesus responds to them. He hears their cries. He heals their sick. And he teaches them the truth of God. And then we hear the story of the feeding of the 5,000. So not only does, does Jesus answer their cries for teaching and for healing, but they cry out that they are hungry. And Jesus responds to this as well. But once all have been fed, Jesus knows that he cannot go any longer without rest. And so he dismisses the crowds and he sends the disciples to go on ahead on the boat. Now, we don't know what the response of the people was. It's not recorded, but I know people and you know people. And so you can imagine what they said. Oh, but wait, Jesus, I just said one more thing. Hey, Jesus, I know this guy that could really use your help. He's only like two miles away. Come on. Jesus, if you could just explain that whole love your neighbor thing one more time, I really think I would get it that time. But he dismisses the crowd. The disciples, Jesus, no, don't you want us to go with you? We can help you. We can be with you. Or Jesus, why don't you just come on with us in the boat? You can go on ahead with us. We promise we let, we'll let you rest. We promise. But no, Matthew says he made them get in the boat and go. Jesus knew that he needed to rest. He needed to be alone. He needed to find time with God. He needed to breathe. He needed to pray. And so he made it happen. The people had to go. Because if Jesus didn't have this time alone then he wouldn't be able to continue his ministry. He knew about this rhythm of work and rest, of inhaling and exhaling. He knew that it was a commandment from God, and he knew that it was crucial for his life and for his ministry to stop, to say no, and to be with God. For Jesus, there was always someone else to speak to, someone else to save, a new city to visit, a new group of Pharisees to royally make upset. <laughs> but it was just as important to find the time to breathe. Yes, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human. And how many of us have gotten to that point where we have gone and done so much that we just can't anymore? And so that's when Jesus 
says, stop. Because without the time to exhale, life just cannot go on. And so Jesus lived in to that truth and modeled it for us. And I'm sorry, speak a little truth in here. If Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, can say no and find time to stop and rest, then what is stopping us? Because whatever we have to do, no matter how important it is, cannot be more important than saving the world. And that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus has done for us. And now we must follow him in finding the rhythm of inhaling and exhaling. Now, is it easy to tell people no? Is it easy to stop our work before it's finished? Is it easy to drop everything for a moment to pause, to pray, to be with God? No, it's not always easy, but it's necessary. And will it always come at the most opportune times? No. I mean, just as it did in Jesus' life, he wanted that time right after John's death, and he didn't get it then, but he knew that the need remained. And so when it was time, he said no and stopped. In our lives, in our world, we have to make it happen. We have to stop and breathe because the constant inhale, it's going to kill us. It's doing nothing for us. It's doing nothing for our world. And it's doing nothing for the kingdom of God. We have to find the rhythm we have to find the time to exhale. Because just like when I tell my daughter when she's all worked up, just like when I tell the people in my class when they're in the midst of a hard set, just as I tell myself at the end of a long day, God interrupts our lives of chaos and difficulty and uncertainty and says, stop, just breathe. Come to me and I will give you rest. Just breathe. Be still and know that I am God. Just breathe. And just as God breathes life into Adam, God continues to breathe life into us as we inhale and exhale 
the love, the grace, and the mercy of God through Jesus Christ. I want us this morning to try and find that rhythm of the inhale and of the exhale. And so together we are going to breathe. Something simple, but something powerful. And so as we begin, I'll instruct you to take a nice big inhale and an exhale. And we're going to do it a few times to find that rhythm to carry us through. So get in a comfortable position. Whatever you need to do, move around. The lights are going to go down. Get comfortable. And will you breathe with me? Let us inhale and exhale. Be still and know that I am God. Inhale and exhale. Be still and know that I am. Inhale and exhale. Be still and know that I inhale and exhale. Be still and know that inhale and exhale. Be still and know. Inhale and exhale. Be still and inhale and exhale. Be still. Inhale and exhale. Be. O oh, gracious Lord, our God, we come before you today seeking out that moment of rest, that time to exhale. God, we know that you have called us to so much in our lives that we go and we do and we create and we produce all for your glory. But God, remind us that we must also pause, stop, and breathe. That as we breathe in what we are doing, we exhale and give it back to you. That as we inhale the love that we have for this world, we exhale knowing your love for us. 
that as we inhale, trying to show compassion and mercy and care to this world, we exhale knowing that you care for us. God, as we inhale, trying to be the people you have called us to be, let us exhale and know that we are yours. No matter what, we are yours. As we inhale, all that we do, all that we say, all that consumes our lives, may we exhale and reconnect with you in prayer, in silence. May we be reminded in the exhale that we are your children saved by grace. And lead us back out into this world with the rhythm of the inhale and the exhale carrying us through. Just as you have commanded, just as Christ has modeled, may we remember to just breathe. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As the band returns and as we stand to sing our final song together, I remind you that we continue to respond to God through our giving. And so as you are able to give, we invite you to do so during this final song or as you leave from this place. Now will you stand with us, breathing deeply as we worship our God.